Welcome back to the Vine Church podcast. Today, we will be continuing our devotional series, The Gospel According to Zechariah. If you haven't already, you can find us on YouTube at the Vine Church Heart, and we'd love to have you join us over there. Good morning, guys. I wonder if you've ever worked your way through uh, Zechariah and come to chapter 5 before and just decided, no, this is just too weird for me. Fair enough. Uh, I'm going to read the first vision in Zechariah chapter 5, and it says this. I looked up again, and I saw a scroll flying through the air. What do you see? The angel asked. I see a flying scroll, I replied. It appears to be about 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. Then he said to me, this scroll contains the curse that is going out over the entire land. One side of the scroll says that those who steal will be banished from the land. The other side says that those who bear false, who swear falsely will be banished from the land. And this is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. I am sending this curse into the house of every thief and to the house of everyone who swears falsely using my name. And my curse, will, my, my curse will remain in that house and completely destroy it, even its timbers and stones. So just to kind of explain the, uh, the meaning of the symbol a bit, or, or at least the meaning of the elements before we look at the, the vision um, in a wider uh, lens, what, what's going on here? Why this... Uh, scroll, this flying scroll, 15 uh, feet uh, long and 30 feet wide. What does it mean this scroll is going out through the land and and cursing people's houses and stuff like that? What does this mean? Well, the first thing I suppose to to just explain is, is obviously we as English people are book and paper users. We don't use scrolls. And so perhaps we wouldn't see this as odd, but the first thing to see is that this scroll is 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. Now, if you think about it, scrolls unroll and get wide. And uh, the fact that this is taller than it is wide suggests that maybe there's something else going on under the surface. Now, different people have different opinions on this. I've seen in different commentators. Uh, I think that the, the best explanation here, the most likely situation, because a scroll would normally be 10 to 15 times longer uh, than its uh, height. So you could roll out, as I say, 10 to 15 times as much. What's probably happening here is the 30 feet long is, as, is how tall it is, but the, 50, but the 30, sorry, 15 feet uh, long, but the 15 feet is it going, is its rolled up width. So that's, you know, that's obviously huge, 15 feet rolled up means this scroll is going to just unroll and unroll and unroll and unroll. So why this ginormous, and it is ginormous, so it's, you know, it's 30 feet high, why this ginormous scroll? And moreover, why is it flying through the air? Well, again, let's, let's look at some of the uh, pictures. It says that it has uh, a commandment on it against those who steal and about those who swear falsely. Hmm. Where do we see those two commands coming together? The Ten Commandments. Now, you could say that eight and uh, the Eighth Commandment and the Ninth Commandment do not uh, steal and do not uh, bear false witness. Maybe these are the ones referencing. 
maybe it's actually referencing um, swearing by God's name uh, rather than swearing falsely. Um, so this could be uh, one from the what we call the first table of the law, the sins against God, commandments one to four, and then one against the second table of the law, commandments at five to ten. I think that's what's going on here. I think this scroll represents the curse of breaking God's law. Why is it so long? Why is it so rolled up? Why is it so heavy? We have to bear in mind these, these Hebrew pictures, these Hebrew visions are full of imagery. And, and in Hebrew, the word for glory is literally the, the word for heavy. If you think about in, uh, in the New Testament, it talks about the weight of glory. That's kind of a, a bit of a pun because in Greek, they're different terms. But in Hebrew, glory and weight are the same word. And so when you see something that's very, very uh, heavy, you can kind of, like, like in this vision, this, this scroll, which is very, very heavy, very thick, very big, that's flying over, uh, it has that image of its, its gloriousness. And it's flying, and it's going into people's houses and all these kind of things to show that it's kind of all-pervasive. It's not, it's not held back in one place. And so bear in mind, if this is God's law that's being referenced here, this is, a, this is essentially saying, this, the glory of God's law isn't some tiny rolled up scroll. It's huge and it extends everywhere. Just like David says in uh, Psalm 139, that where can he hide from God? If he makes his bed in the depths, he is there. Um, so in the same way, God and, his, and by extension, his law, his moral attributes see all things. It's one of the big themes in Zechariah. It keeps talking about the seven eyes of the Lord, which are his eye over the whole world. The Lord sees all things. His law uh, is not, he doesn't only, he isn't only bothered about his law in certain uh, circumstances. The Lord seeks out. Now, we might not be very comfortable with this language, but the Lord seeks out sinners. He isn't passive towards sin, but his law comes with an active uh, curse to, to disobey God's moral attributes comes with a curse. And that's, that's nothing controversial. That's simply the gospel that we believe. Everyone stands condemned under God's curse until they trust in faith in, uh, trust in Christ, put their faith in him, and then he gives them uh, forgiveness and his righteousness. So it's simply this, this view that uh, God's, uh, the curse of uh, sin is, under, is on everyone. The, the, the scroll of God's law will find them, will seek them out. And it talks about going into the house, for instance. The image here, as I say, is that God, it would have been quite easy to think that when you go into the temple, that's when God's eye is on you. That's when he sees you sinning. When I'm in my own home, when I'm doing what I want, I can kind of get away with it. No, one, no one's there to tell me. And this is very much, I think, an attitude that we have today in our culture. There's, there's nothing... Uh, well, certainly there's no major fear culturally about uh, sin. Sin will never be found out. As long as we do it in our own privacy, no one's going to know. Or even maybe not in our own privacy, but as long as no one outside of this circle knows. The message here is that there is no undiscovered sin. God's law will find. God's law will, um, will, will, will unveil. It will uncover that. Now, one of the things you might find odd as we come to Zechariah 5 is that so far all the images have been so positive, so optimistic, so challenging, but in a good way. 
And really the major emphasis has been on God establishing his kingdom, building it up, uh, and this kind of very optimistic view of the future. And so we come here and you might think, well, now why are we going for a, a judgment oracle? Why are we going for a, a kind of a, a negative uh, vision? Well, I would say that the two really aren't that distinct. How does God bring righteousness through judgment? How did the Lord uh, save Noah? How did he give him salvation? How did he bring righteousness through that situation? Through judgment. How, uh, well, I mean, the major example, how does God bring our salvation, our, um, how does he bring grace into our, into our situation? Through judgment on Christ. Salvation and judgment are very much two sides of the same coin. If you think about Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1 begins this huge exposition of the grace of the gospel, and it starts with these words, the wrath of God is unveiled from heaven against all ungodliness, and it goes into a, into a very interesting discourse about uh, people turning from God. But it starts with these words, the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. The picture there is that as God's wrath comes down, he is dealing with sin and in doing so creates a, a kingdom of righteousness. Even in our own life, we should think in that way. It is God's wrath against our sin, which sanctifies us and makes us holy. It's because God hates sin so much that he is seeking to wipe it out from his people. So we shouldn't think of, you know, God in loving mode, God in wrath mode. God building his kingdom is God judging sin. This isn't uh, incongruous with the other prophecies of sin. This is perfectly in line with it. The curse of God's law is going out to banish sin from the land. That's, as I say, that's for us who rejoice in righteousness, an incredibly positive image to know. What do we look forward to about the resurrection? What do we look forward to about Jesus coming again? For me, one of the things is I, I can't wait to be rid of sin. I, I, I'm, I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it in my own life. I'm sick of it in the lives of people I love. To know that God is not uh, unfazed by it, but seeks to deal with it is a huge comfort to me. And it should be to all of us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your law is just, holy, righteous, and true. And Lord, we repent that we often break it, that we, uh, we do lie, we do steal, we do do the things that are written on this uh, scroll. But Lord, we just pray that you would purify us from within. Lord, we pray that you would teach us to be obedient by your spirit. Lord, we pray that you would continue your kingdom building mission you will continue to judge sin and, and establish righteousness. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.